Well, thank you, uh, Rick, and thank you, everyone, um, for coming. Yeah, this is really the second out of three. Um, and uh, so uh, Scott Carroll is um, currently a, a visiting assistant professor at Dartmouth College. Um, he graduated uh, from with the PhD, obviously, from the University of Florida, where he had a very cool and fun committee, and um, then taught at the uh, U.S. Air Force Academy. He's uh, been an officer in the Air Force for, for over 10 years, right, and, uh, and has really cool data because, obviously, the military can do stuff that the rest of the planet can't. Um, you know, not just to other countries, but also to the people that are, um, you know, in it. Um, so it's really, you know, from a from a research perspective, it's 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 very exciting. Um, and uh, since this is part of a series, I'd say that the the last talk is going to actually be Gigi Foster, who's going to be here in the spring. And if I, I emailed a lot of people and said, "Hey, set up times to talk to Scott," and and a lot of you are. Um, but if you're interested in Gigi, make sure you, you know, just let me know and I'll, we'll make that happen. Anyway, anyway, in turn, back to Scott for a second. He's, um, has exciting news because he was, uh, on the job market this year and things that worked out. He was telling me just how many cool offers he got, which was very impressive. And he accepted one at UC Davis, um, where they have a really great group of people doing applied micro. And I um, know that he's going to uh, do great stuff there. Thanks so much for coming. It's great to have you. Thank you, Bruce. Stick this in my pocket. Um, I don't know if we're going to dim the lights. So, so uh, I apologize. Uh, it's a little dark. but this. Uh, so this is joint work that I have with my former colleagues uh, at the Air Force Academy. And uh, as Bruce mentioned, I spent uh, – 10 years on active duty in the Air Force. Half of that time was doing academic work, either graduate school or teaching at the Air Force Academy. And so unlike, uh, as Bruce indicated, the military has access to uh, data and has policies such that we economists can exploit these so-called natural experiments. And so this work is looking at students at the Air Force Academy. And we look at peer uh, the effects of your peers and also the leaders because of the military structure of the institution, how do the, the upperclassmen who are in charge of the freshmen within this peer group affect their outcomes? In? And we look at both academic and athletic performance uh, because we have, have those different outcome measures. And so, you know, I, I realize I'm the second uh, of three looking at social interactions, but at the, at the root of it, what is a peer effect? And so, we're looking at how individual uh, behavior is affected by another individual or a group's outcomes. And the mechanisms uh, which through peer effects work are, uh, from a theoretical standpoint, and uh, you know, sociologists believe you know, social norms, uh, stigma, learning, or information gathering. On, on the empirical side, uh, identifying the mechanisms, you know, this, we have a long way to go on really understanding how these peer effects work. So uh, although my paper does offer some, you know, small evidence of what may be driving the peer influence, it is still largely unknown. Okay, if you put two individuals together in a room and they both do better, they both do worse, well, it might be correlated with the fact that both happen to be smarter 
or you know, one has a high SAT verbal score, but really what's the mechanism? Is the, is the verbal SAT just a proxy for willingness to help or better communicators? We don't know in the data, and, but this is one, one area that I think, uh, first of all, identifying that, that peer influence exists, and then second, what the mechanisms are is where this literature is going. So any of the graduate students, if you can find interesting data or theoretical models, there's a lot of room in this literature uh, for that. So uh, at, at, at the core, you know, economics of it, peer effects are a form of an externality. Uh, as I, you know, I tell my undergrad econ students, you know, an unintended uh, consequence on a third party, well, if you stick me in this room and I have a, a positive effect on you, well, that's, you know, I'm not here, you know, hopefully to impart knowledge, but that might have some sort of external effect. Um, and in, in the case of macroeconomic growth, you know, most of these models hypothesize that, you know, external uh, productivity sp spillovers exist. How large they are, uh, we don't know. Uh, my primary area of interest on education policy, uh, integrations, busing, all these policies are predicated on the fact that peer effects are large, positive, and they do exist. And then, you know, thinking about national security, you know, coming, coming to the, the Mershon Center made me think about, you know, at least in, in my background and experience, how, how does the role of peer influence work in war? And it's, it's hypothesized that in battle, individuals aren't fighting for their country. They're fighting for their peers, their, their other uh, platoon mates. How do we have, you know, these massive war crimes uh, in war? Well, at least my, my hypothesis is it's largely driven by peer or leadership effects. If the commander says, we're going to do this, and everybody thinks to themselves, well, okay, this is wrong, but they see their, their, you know, their platoon mate, okay, they start this bad behavior, and then that, that role of peer influence exists in, in, in war crimes as well. You know, I, uh, as I, I gave a talk at Texas A&M, and uh, one of the, uh, the gentlemen I met with was from Germany and talked about, you know, nobody wants to admit it, but my, you know, grandfather was a Nazi. And it's, and we talked about the role of peer influence in Nazi Germany. And, you know, looking back, everyone, you know, his perception was everyone, you know, looking back, oh, I would have never done that. But at the same time, a majority of the population bought into this and, and committed these atrocities. And so, you know, I think that at the root of that is, is a peer influence. So in education uh, uh, studies, you know, largely have been focused in higher education at the roommate level. So there are several studies that look at how individuals, you know, who are maybe randomly assigned roommates in college, how does that affect an individual's performance in academics? And they find, uh, these studies find small correlations uh, with roommates' background characteristics effect on another, you know, on their, on their roommate's performance. A uh, couple studies, one of mine, look at, at bad behavior in college outcomes. And so if you're a male and you're at the bottom end of the academic distribution and you happen to be stuck with a roommate who drinks, per, you know, in high school, it's going to have a big negative effect on your grades. Um, peer influence in cheating behavior. We find a social norm for, uh, for cheating drives increased cheating outcomes. And so the more, the more your peers cheat, the more likely you are to cheat. Uh, because of that social norm. 
in, in elementary and secondary education, uh, you know, a big emphasis looking at classroom peer effects, you know, the composition of a classroom. Should you ability group, should you diversify classrooms? And so there is some evidence that small positive peer effects exist in, in uh, academic performance there. And then one of the motivation, which uh, you mentioned Gigi Foster is coming. She, she has a paper at the University of Maryland that, that cast doubt uh, on the existence of peer effects in higher education, looking at not only freshman roommates in what they call dorm hall wings, uh, but then looking at, in the sophomore year, individuals who uh, you, know, you can identify who are friends, and they have virtually no uh, peer, peer effect in, in performance, and so cast doubt on at least the existence of measurable peer effects. So we're looking at we're looking at just measuring correlations, direct influence of direct influence. You know what what is driving that influence is is still yet to be determined. I have a little bit of evidence that it's it's not necessarily the background of your peer, uh, your peers, but it's performance of your peers, which still doesn't drive at the mechanism, but it, it, it at least lends some evidence that it's, okay, if you have a, a roommate who is smart but they're a drug addict, that not, may not necessarily be a good thing. You want, you want the smart roommate who also does well academically, is, is performing at a high level. So as I, as I said, we're looking at the Air Force Academy. Uh, the graduating classes of 2005 to 2007, we focus in on. And uh, unlike previous studies uh, that assume uh, the, peer, the peer group is at the roommate level or the, or the, uh, the dorm level, these are, are just uh, proxies for peer groups. You know, we've all had roommates uh, in college at some point or another, and sometimes your roommate is your friend, sometimes your roommates are not. So if you, if you use the roommate as the, the proxy for the peer group, there may be a, a lot of measurement error in, in that. And so this may underestimate peer effects due to missing peers, and is at least one explanation of why there's mixed evidence in measuring peer influence in educational studies. However, uh, because military members don't get much choice in, in where they go and what they do, we can, we can measure peer effects at the Air Force Academy at the known uh, peer group. And that's because upon entrance, all stu freshman students are randomly assigned to one of 36 what they call squadrons. So there's roughly 25 to 30 freshmen, uh, 25 to 30 sophomores, juniors, and seniors in each one of these squadrons. Uh, they live, dine, compete in intramural sports, uh, spend majority of their study time within this squadron peer group. And uh, the interesting aspect is freshmen aren't allowed to step foot in another squadron. So I have an identical twin brother, and we both attended the Air Force Academy. We did not study together all freshman year because I wasn't allowed to go into his, his uh, room and he wasn't allowed to go into my room. Uh, it wasn't until our sophomore year that we re started interacting more. Um, and then uh, students are, are reassigned to a new squadron at the sophomore year, so they're randomly reassigned. So in the paper, I'm not going to talk about it a lot today, you can, you can look at the persistence of of the effects from the peer group you were assigned to as a freshman year on your sophomore grades, as well as simultaneously estimating how the new peer group affects performance. And then the leadership effects are the upperclassmen within the squadron, the sophomores, juniors, and seniors. How do they influence the, the uh, grades or academic outcomes of the freshmen? And I can just 
So I, I talk about that. It's a, it's a, it's a, a stratified uh, randomization. And so what they do is they block. They take the minorities, randomly assign them uh, to squadrons, then the females, then the athletes, and then everyone who's left. So basically the white male non-athletes uh, are, uh, are randomly uh, assigned. And so what you do, you have the data look on academic attributes purely random. And you know, so in the paper, I, I do the standard test to look, does the data, does the data look random? Uh, what you end up with is a little less variation in the number of females across squadrons. So you're not going to have a squadron that has no females under true randomization. You might, you might have that. How large is the squadron? So the squadron is, in total is roughly 100, 100 individuals, 100 students, uh, 25 to 30 from each of the graduating classes. So there are no suites uh, in our data set. We, so they all live in, a, in, a, in the same block of the dorm. Uh, there are subgroups within the squadron. We don't have that in our data. So there's three flights, which will have roughly 10 freshmen in each flight. But those, uh, what we, we don't know. We don't have those subgroups in the data set. So a, a quick preview of what, what we find is, and in the, in the bottom line is we find at this squadron level, we find much larger peer effects that have been found in, in previous studies. So at the roommate, we find almost identical peer effects at the roommate level as what's been found at Dartmouth College or Williams College. But at the squadron level, for example, a 100-point increase in the average SAT verbal score of the other 25 freshmen in your squadron has the, the effect uh, increasing an individual's GPA by 0.45 grade points. Now that's that's out of sample. So the max variation across squadrons is about 60 SAT verbal points. Uh, nevertheless, these are large effects. Uh, if uh, uh, using separate estimation procedures, looking at how does the performance, not the background characteristics, but the performance of your peer group matter, a one-point increase in the average GPA. Uh, of, of your classmates in your squad and increases an individual's GPA by 0.65 grade points. We attribute these larger peer effects, at least partially, to the, the proper measurement of the peer group. And so we do some tests. We find that um, we find, again, small roommate effects and geographic proximity alone of students in the dorm halls alone isn't sufficient. So squadrons are located adjacent to each other. And so you may have an individual that's located next, next door to you, but you, we know through the, through the institutional constraints that you're not interacting with. Not until you get about 80% of the peer group correct in the sample does the peer effect pop in. <clears throat> uh, peer effects do persist in the, into the sophomore year, about half the magnitude. Uh, Upperclassmen do matter, particularly the uh, the junior sophomores and juniors. The seniors seniors in the in the group don't don't uh, have much effect. And having gone there and taught there, it's precisely because the seniors finally get to go out and have some fun and get you know permission to leave campus. And so they do that, and and they don't interact with the freshmen a whole lot. And we then we also find strikingly similar results for athletic performance, which I'll talk about what those measures are. So. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about what the advantages uh, of the, the setup are, but, you know, more directly, you know, we have these very precise peer groups, which we know 
the interaction it takes. Uh, random assignment or quasi-random assignment of peer groups is important, which I'll talk about why. We have a, more data you know, than your typical college or university would have on individuals in these multiple outcome measures. So what are the, what are the limitations? Well, military individuals might just be fundamental. You know, those who self-select to go to a military academy uh, might just be fundamentally different. Am I, you know, I spent time in the military. Am I, am I more likely to, you know, be, you know, susceptible to my peers? Am I more easily influenced? Well, they are taught to taught foster teamwork, but they are selected on missions based on their leadership characteristics. So you might think stronger leaders, those who are being selected to be, you know, leaders in the military might be less prone to peer influence. And so that's a little unknown, but what we, what we do you know, think is that these are probably an upper bound of measurable peer effects. And I, and I use the term measurable uh, strongly because you know, I, I firmly believe that peer effects exist everywhere. And in fact, you know, here at Ohio State, peers may have a larger influence because you have the opportunity to take your friends or your roommates down to the fraternity or sorority party, stay out all night drinking, and not show up to class the next day. Well, individuals at the Air Force Academy don't have that opportunity. They have to go to class. There's no such thing as skipping class. You only can do that about one time. And, uh, and you know, the opportunity on the negative side uh, just does not exist as much. But they do spend a lot of time, a, a disproportionate amount of time relative to normal college students together doing teamwork type activities. So those of you who are uh, not aware, the Air Force Academy is, is the size of a you know, rev relatively small liberal arts school. Uh, individuals major uh, you know, across the board English to, to astronautical engineering. It is primarily an engineering school. So all students have to take calculus and physics and chemistry and, and other technical courses. Um, we do have more variation. Although it's a highly selective uh, institution, about 15% acceptance rate, we have a little bit more variation in background characteristics than your standard uh, you know, top liberal arts school because the selection criteria is based on not only academics, but you ha everyone has to pass a athletic fitness score and be selected on the leadership potential as well as pass a medical examination. So the, the data that we have in our, on our data set are, uh, you know, SAT scores, standard, you know, admissions uh, test scores. Uh, in addition, there's a, an academic composite that the uh, admissions office computes, and that's based on not only your high school grades, but the, the quality of your high school is measured by what proportion of your classmates are going to college, uh, your class rank. And then all students have to take a, a physical fitness test and get a raw score on that physical fitness test so we know how you know, physically fit relative to their, their peers they are, as well as a leadership composite, which is really a, a, a measure of how active you were in high school taking on things such as the president of the student council or are you an Eagle Scout, uh, were you the captain of the football team, et cetera. Now, while they're there, um, you have your standard grade point averages. Uh, uh, one unique aspect is, is there's no self-selection into courses or with professors. So every student is taking the same co core set of 30 courses. So every single freshman 
with the exception of you know, those who may validate or place out of uh, 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 calculus are taking Calc 1 during their first semester of their freshman year. They're all taking the same exact uh, test on the same day at 6 a.m. in the morning, and they take the same final exam. And so, uh, and freshmen have no ability to select their courses or when they take that. So you, you go through a six-week basic training, you walk into the academic year and someone hands you your schedule, and this is when you're taking your classes and at what time. And so what, what it does allow us is it, it lets us know that any peer effects that we do find aren't from selection of major or selection, you know, it's not an information issue regarding, oh, take, take calculus from this professor, they give high grades, or uh, don't take this course. It, it, it's a consistent measure. Uh, GPA is a consistent measure of performance, and it's, uh, it's not working through choice of major or choice of professor. Uh, individuals also take a, a physical education or, or get a physical education um, average in which they're all taking a similar physical fitness test each, each term, running a mile and a half and taking PE courses, and that's on a, a 0 to 4.0 scale as well. Uh, this is just a basic look of, of, the, of the data at the individual level. And what, the one thing I like to point out is we do have quite a bit of variation in, in say, SAT scores. So there is an individual that has 330 SAT verbal score, although the average is thir around 1,300 in the sample. There's someone that had a 440 math SAT. Um, and how, did, how does that person get accepted? Well, one, uh, and I call it a, you know, a, a affirmative action based on geography. And so there's a minimum bar. You, know, you get a composite score that takes it into account your, your leadership, your athletic, and your academic high school attributes, and you have to meet the minimum bar but selection is based by congressmen and senators, with each congressman and senator getting five slots. So if you're in downtown San Francisco, the competition to get in is much, much different than if you're in Dallas, Texas, where, the, um, where, with where much, many more individuals, you, know, you could think of it as the more pro-military the area, the more applicants you're going to get. And so the, the criteria of getting in is much more difficult. So you do have variation because of this. Uh, uh, geographic admissions policy where each senator and congressman and that that uh, policy was post Civil War because too many of the generals in the army came from the south and so Congress said well we need to have diversity in our officer corps based on geography so we're going to mandate that each area of the country gets an equal number of slots to West Point. So you know Economists spend a lot of time in how do you, how do you actually and properly measure peer influence. And the most common issue in, you know, in measuring peer effects are, are self-selection. Most of us get to choose who our friends are. And the problem with that, if you know, Bruce and I are roommates and we both happen to get good grades, is that because there is a peer effect or just is that you know, correlation due to the fact we're both smart? And so if you have you know, individuals choosing their friends on like attributes, and you find that smarter people who room together get better grades, and lower ability students who room to get smaller grades, is that a selection effect or is that a peer effect? And so how do you get around that? Well, you try to find data where individuals don't get to choose their friends. And so the military, is, is, you know, random assignment of roommates at Dartmouth is, is one example of a paper that's, you know, been exploited. 
This, this is random assigned of individuals in the squadrons, and within that squadron, individuals also don't get to choose their roommates. So we can simultaneously measure roommate effects and uh, peer effects uh, at the squadron level. And so I, I, I previously discussed the, the assignment process, but it's a, it's a stratified random uh, uh, assignment. In the sophomore year, the one caveat is they do try to uh, spread out the high military and high academic uh, individuals across squadrons. So you get a little bit less variation in the sophomore year based on uh, academic performance from the freshman year. No, we, we actually received the algorithm of the placement of the students uh, into the squatters. And, and, you know, the, 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 uh, I think that the nice aspect of, our, of, of the assignment process, the individuals who are doing it aren't academics. They're, they're literally, okay, I'm a computer programmer. They want, they want to make sure we have diversity. So we'll, we'll block and then we'll just, you know, randomly assign uh, and, and have that criteria. So they're... You know, surprisingly, there was very, it appears to have been very, very little thought about the peer makeup of the group. And in fact, you know, we found out for a couple of years, they've been asking, you know, an, a, a linear programmer in the, in the management department, could you do some sort of different sorting? And, and his response was, well, I don't have any economic theory to tell me how I should sort it. And so this was a little bit of a luck that, you know, there was a desire, how, how could we do this better, but not the knowledge of what to do. West Point, we've, you know, there, there's a study that has used West Point data, but the problem you, know, you get with, with West Point is they at least said, well, let's not only make it diverse across uh, demographics, but let's spread out all you know, based on academic. You know, so there's very little variation in ACT, SAT scores, et cetera. The other issue in measuring peer influence, which is, is a little bit less of a problem in most studies, is that um, you know, my grades and my roommates' grades are jointly determined. So there, there's this endogeneity. And so to, to, esti to properly estimate a peer effect, you have to have exogenous uh, attributes of individuals. And so fortunately, all students had to take the you know, entrance exams, the, the physical fitness test. So, to identify our identification strategy, we have, we have two estimation procedures. The first one is the, uh, the standard reduced form linear and uh, means model where you address uh, individual outcomes as a function of the peer pretreatment characteristics. So how is individual I's grades uh, vary with the average SAT, uh, average fitness score of their peer groups? The other way we estimate is looking more at a contemporaneous peer effect how do, how do an individual's grades change with the performance, grade performance of their peer groups? Well, we have this problem of endogeneity where there's jointly determined, so we use two-stage least squares and only use the portion of the GPA that can be predicted by the average pretreatment characteristics of the group. And I'll talk more about both of these in a minute. But first, uh, and I'll spend most of my time looking at the reduced form, GPA of individual I uh, in, in class C and in squadron S is a function of their roommates, background characteristics, their other 
uh, peer group characteristics, all other freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, and then their own characteristics. So in total, we end up estimating at 25 peer effect coefficients because we have the five pre-treatment variables, math and verbal SAT, the academic composite, the fitness score, and the leadership for the roommates, the other freshmen, the other sophomores, the other, or the sophomores, juniors, and seniors in the group. And interestingly, we find similar to Zimmerman's William Col Williams College uh, peer effects paper that the academic peer effect appears most linked to SAT verbal scores. And we do find some other interesting uh, findings, but the biggest and strongest peer effect is the SAT verbal score of your classmates, which, which I thought was quite interesting because it's a highly mathematical curriculum. In looking, predicting own grades, the own SAT math has five times the magnitude of own SAT verbal. So it's your own math score that matters, but it's your peers' verbal score. And again, the frustration, as I talked about, we don't know why this is the mechanism. Is SAT verbal correlated with willingness to be a good study partner? Are, are high SAT verbal students better communicators, more willing to help? We don't really know. As I talked about, the squadron level effects are much bigger than the, uh, the roommate effects as well. So what I've done is I've, I've broken this out into uh, three slides because it's hard to put 25 coefficients on one slide. So keep in mind that this is, these next three slides are one regression. And so I'm first showing the roommate effects. And similar to other studies, we find relatively little action at the roommate level. In fact, nothing is statistically significant except the roommate's leadership composite. And jointly, these five variables are insignificant. And the magnitude of this is relatively small. So this says a one standard deviation change in the leadership composite has an effect of increasing an individual's GPA by 0.013 grade points. And that's on a mean of 2.88. So that's where you, that's in high school, were you the captain of the team? Were you the president council, student of the student council? Were you an Eagle Scout? And so all the students fill out a, a, uh, a form upon entrance, and they, they roll that up into a score. Right. Right. And I know that if I if I have measurement error in an independent variable, it's going to you know five my coefficient to right. zero. So it, what about if you were to create like an index of all? And so here you've you've aggregated over you right. know, thirty people, so that you know for each individual one, I've done enough aggregation that, that I get. What if you went back to them and you were to predict the effect of each of those variables at the individual level on performance? And then use those coefficients to create an index that and enter that and enter So thinking about weighting the SAT verbal and math as a proportion of their own predictive performance? On the, on, yeah, on their on your own on your own predictive performance and then and then after, and then using that index to predict it when you get Yeah, I don't know. I mean so um, you know, certainly the when there is a you know overall composite you know the, there was an over when we first got the data you know we had SAT 
you know, we, we had an overall academic composite and included the SAT, math, and verbal, and then the, uh, the, all the high school stuff. And, and, and we found that was very noisy. And it wasn't until we split these out did, did the SAT verbal pop in. Um, so I don't, I don't know what, so I, you know, I'll I'd be happy to talk to you more about, you know, how to put the right weights. Certainly the weights that the Air Force Academy admits upon, it has very high predictive power for own grades. In fact, they didn't want to give, they didn't give us the overall, uh, the weighting mechanisms. We had to drag it out of them. How, did, how has SAT entered in this so we could back this out? Um, and, and the reason is it's, it's got very good predictive power and maybe that, maybe they don't want that let out to Navy or West Point or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I guess my answer is we don't have, we don't know what the right weights would be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The other question that occurred to me is could you have substantially more variability on the group levels in verbal SAT? And so maybe you have some <coughs> little variability in the group level in math SAT that just doesn't predict very well. There is a slightly more variation in individual SAT verbal scores, but if you look at you know, what's a one standard deviation change in the squadron SAT verbal and math, uh, they're not different at all. And so there, it's, it's not a story of, uh, of, I don't think it's a story of just enough variation. Um, does that answer your question? <laughs> um, so, so this is now the same regression that, that can, you know, is controlling for roommates, controlling for upperclassmen, controlling for own characteristics, and just showing the, the effects of the other 25 to 30 freshmen within that squadron. And so the, the main, uh, the largest effect, and you know, certainly most statistically significant, as I mentioned, is the peer SAT verbal score. And so that coefficient says a 100-point increase in the average SAT verbal score of the squadron increases an individual's GPA by 0.45 grade points. In terms of standard deviation, a one-standard deviation change in the squadron-level SAT verbal has the effect of increasing individual's J grades by 0.05 grade points. Uh, the other, uh, other um, variable that, that does come in significant at the, at the point one level is the fitness score. Uh, of, so the more fit your peers are, the higher grades you will, you will get. And you know, it's about half the, half the size and magnitude of the SAT verbal, but you know, still relatively large. And, and you know, economists always want a story. Why, why would it be that the more fit your peers are, the better, the better uh, an individual's grades will be? And, you know, having gone there and taught there, there's, there's massive commitments on individuals' time between athletics, academics, and military. And so I know uh, from experience, the more fit you are, one, the more stamina you have, and two, the less time you have to spend working out to pass the fitness test and the more time you have to study. So it, it could be both of those stories. The smartest you know, I remember when I was a junior there, the, the smartest incoming freshman flunked out. He had a 1600 SAT. Everybody said, oh, this is the smartest class ever. He couldn't do a pull-up. He spent every night practicing pull-ups and ended up flunking out. And so, um, you know, there, there are these time constraints. And so you have to be uh, well-rounded in order, in order to make it through.
variables. So you might think that it's just, if you take this leadership variable. The leadership composite? The leadership okay. composite, seriously. You'd say maybe what matters is not sort of the average in my group, but right. the average among the people who you know, have a lot of charisma and set the tone and what have you. So we'd say that you, that you would want to take that, again, you take the pure average of the SAT variables that are matched, but you'd weight people more heavily if they're yeah. Right. Um, I haven't done that. I think, I think one, you know, I, I think that's a good idea. So I, I think what you're getting at are these, do these, do these, are these peer effects nonlinear? Is the average the right proxy? And so I'm going to tell you, no, I don't think it is. Um, this is the, this is the, uh, probably the easiest way to identify do peer effects exist on average? And so the, 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 the purpose of this paper was to say, do peer effects exist? Are they large? Um, the, the next project we're working on, how, how does the peer influence uh, differ across individuals? And what, what, what we have found, it's not the average that, that seems to be matter most. It's, it's the, the number of high types. It appears to be primarily driven by not average SAT verbal, but the number of individuals in the top end of the distribution of the SAT verbal score that are, that are in that squadron. Um, I think you're probably hinting at what else could you do? How could you, how could you weight this to find out who is the actual peer that seems to matter in the group? And, and I agree with you. Uh, jointly, all five of these variables are significant at the .05 level. So what we do know, relative to the roommates, at the, at the peer group, you know, at the squadron peer group level, there is, is definitely evidence of, of something that's going on. Um, so, and, and I'm not, I might be misinterpreting what you're saying, but so the roommate is part of the squadron. So individuals are assigned a roommate that's within their squadron. They don't choose their roommate their first semester, their freshman year. Um, we, one thing that we have looked at is some individuals have, you know, one roommate, some have two. So about half the, half the freshmen are put in rooms of three, half are put in rooms of two. And, uh, in the, the peer effects are much uh, about twice the, in magnitude for the, the roommate pairs of three versus versus roommate pairs of two, which tells me at least at least my initial instinct is okay. A roommate pair of three is just a closer proxy to the actual peer group than the roommate pair of two, um, and so you're getting closer to the, you know to the actual peer you know uh, uh, actual peer group when you have three now. Uh, in the second semester, individuals choose their roommates, and I think that might able to lend about this with endogenous uh, uh, choice within the group that you mentioned. Is that is that what you're thinking about? So, well, so unfortunately, there's forced interaction across the squadron now. Uh, they're, they're, the only way I know it to be to measure time within the group would be uh, when individuals leave the squadron and go downtown, they have to sign out. So you could look to see on the sign-out logs who are they choosing to spend their time outside the forced interaction, or you could look at 
uh, instant messaging to see, who, you know, who they're, uh, there are costs to leaving your room, you know, to, to leave your room, you have to be in a un in proper uniform and, you know, march in the hallway. So there, there is this tendency for students to avoid going out in the hallway at all costs. Uh, and, and that's why they don't go to the library. That's why I never went to the library and studied with my brother because, you know, I'd have to put my full uniform garb on, go up, walk across, and run the risk of getting yelled at um, to do that. <laughs> Uh, now, now these I don't show all 15 because one because the the senior class doesn't matter, but these are the upperclassmen effects, and the uh, the way it's organized is sophomores are called the mentors, and the juniors are, are the leadership leaders, and so we, we I briefly talked about how the the you know there's subgroups within the squadron, and so the juniors are the leaders of these subgroups, the sophomores are leaders in training so to speak, and say okay you're you're supposed to mentor. The freshmen, and so uh, the mentors, the sophomore class, at least in the reduced form, the SAT verbal score again matters uh, less than the, the peer groups, but still significant and, and you know somewhat large. And then the junior class leadership composite also matters, and that effect again is is uh, is relatively large. Jointly, all uh, all fifteen of the upperclassmen. Uh, Pre-treatment variables are joint uh, are significant at the 0.05 level, and then uh, the the 25 co uh, peer effect coefficients we estimated those are jointly significant at the you know, at the 0.01 level. So, what I take from from these reduced form estimates, and this is just the bar bar chart showing the standard deviation changes. So, you look at the size of of the, the coefficients in terms of standard deviations. The peer SAT verbal score is the largest. And then uh, the sophomore and junior, and, and the fitness score, and then the roommate is the smallest. Do you look at whether the freshmen um, affect the sophomores and juniors? No. Like it's like a placebo. <laughs> no. If you really think it's leadership, then right. it shouldn't go in the opposite direction. You know, I think. Um, I haven't done that, and maybe this is a case of having too much institutional knowledge as a hindrance to the researcher, because having been there, interaction is one way. You know, the, 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 the freshmen you know, are basically told what to do. I never once had an upperclassman, or I was unaware of an upperclassman ever going to a freshman asking for help on grades. It was, it was, it was, the freshmen went and asked their classmates, and if they couldn't find someone in the head, you know, then they would go ask an upperclassman, but it never seemed to work the other way. But I, I think we should look at that, because it would give a kind of a falsification test to see if it is leadership, in fact, or if it's just another, you know, reciprocal peer effect. Right. Very intense world. Um, if, if you took a system that was like this but less intense, would you expect to see the peer effect diminish? Can you, can you parse out that some of the variance, some, some of the driving variables? I think that would really. Yeah, this this is the this is the one major criticism, or I guess you know, how do you generalize these results? Is it is it the culture of the institution? 
that drives the peer effect. And, and at this point, I don't have a good answer. And, and how to parse that out, uh, it, at least at this point, is unknown to me. <laughs> because, because all squadrons have the same environment. So there's no variation, virtually no variation across squadrons in, in, in terms of the amount of interaction uh, within the group. They're all you know, under the same guidelines, the same rules. So it's, it's, uh, it's, at this point, I'm not sure how you would you know, parse that out. So these reduced uh, form results, um, at least in my view, do provide some strong evidence that, that peer effects exist. Um, it, it's a at least a little, you know, uncertain why each of these matters. You know, in a, in a highly mathematical school, why does the SAT verbal seem to matter? Um, you know, we've explored nonlinearities. Uh, looking at nonlinearities, the peer effect is still the SAT verbal score that matters most. Uh, it just happens to be the number of, of, of high SAT verbal scores that seems to be driving that peer effect. Um, is it the background characteristics that matter, or is it the performance of the group, uh, you know, the actual performance? If you're put in a group where there's a bunch of overachievers, they have you know, relatively average SAT, but they all work hard and do better, is that better than being with the brilliant drug addict? Um, you know, we, we can't estimate those simultaneously, uh, so to speak, but we, we do take, uh, take the estimates another step and, and estimate this contemporaneous peer effect to look to see how, uh, what's the, the direct impact of higher grades. And so to do that, we, uh, we use two-stage least squares and, and, and use all the upperclassmen uh, squadron and roommate pre-treatment characteristics as excluded instruments. And what does that mean is we, we, we predict the peer group GPA using the average characteristics of the group, and then, and then using that predicted GPA, how does that affect an individual's performance? And so, unlike the uh, previous equa uh, estimating equation, GPA is now a function of the roommate's GPA, the, the peer group's GPA, and then, and then we look at the, the, how the freshman GPA of the upperclassmen, how they, you know, how, 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 what were their average grades as their freshman year, and how does that, you know, in, the soft, in their sophomore year, how does that affect the freshman? And so I think this is a, a slide, uh, equations two and three. So we estimate only at the freshman roommate level first, and this is kind of the standard uh, result at Dartmouth College, uh, Bruce Sasserdo found that you know increase a, a one po a point uh, a one point increase in a roommate's GPA has the effect of increasing the individual's GPA by 0 0.12 grade points. And so when we estimate the peer effects, we're within a thousandth of a point uh, to to what he found. Uh, and so you know very similar to Dartmouth, a small positive peer effect at the mean. Uh, however, once we look at the broader peer group, the squadron, the peer effect grows roughly five times in magnitude, uh, and the roommate effect, although positive, is now statistically insignificant. And so, this at least provides evidence that you know that the roommate isn't the key peer that matters. This broader peer group uh, appears to be more important, and so. In, uh, in terms of, this says that a one-point increase 
and the uh, average GPA of the squadron increases an individual's GPA by 0.64 in this, you know, 0.64, 0.65 grade points. And the, uh, the, the key question is, you know, at least from an you know, econometrician standpoint, are these you know, valid excluded instruments? So what this, what this estimation three says that pure SAT verbal does not affect an individual's grade, the, you know, the peer's SAT verbal does not affect an individual's grades directly, it only affects it through its work through the average GPA of the group. And that's a strong assumption. We're assuming only performance matters. And so we do take a series of, of tests and steps looking at the paper to see is this a valid you know, uh, exclusion. Uh, in equation in five, we do you know, one you know, weak test, and that is you know, we have so many pretreatment variables. We take SAT, pure SAT verbal out of the, uh, put it in the second stage of the estimate. So we simultaneously say, well, how, well, how does peer group performance uh, and SAT ver peer SAT verbal, how does that look when you estimate those both uh, in, in the equation? And at least this provides some evidence that it's the, the performance, not the SAT verbal score of the peer group that seems to be to drive it, you know, driving the peer effect. Yes? Right. So the, the correlation between the roommate and the peer variable should be negligible. Why shouldn't that stick around in, in um, so so in, in in the roommate's included in the peer group right. in the second equation. So yeah, right. So you know, just looking at if you just look at the the uh, you know the roommate matters a little bit more, but not that much more than, than the, the rest of the peer group. And in my sense, my sense is I had, I had a not so smart roommate my first year semester freshman. He had no effect on, on my grades uh, because if I had a question, I didn't even bother to ask him. You know, I went down the hallway and asked someone who was smarter than me. Um, and so my sense would be that that the roommate doesn't matter unless the roommate's smart. I don't know. <laughs> this is my this is my own story, but uh, but you know I, I don't have. I mean I think your assumption would be that the roommate effect would be smart uh, would be stronger than the other thirty four or twenty five to thirty people in the squadron. Is that is that what you're? No, it's not that big. It's 25 to 30. Uh, oh, 20, okay, yeah, so, by 30. Uh, so by 30 yeah. So it's still half. Right. So the, I, and the, reason, the reason why usually when you included another variable, the variables, the first variable, the percentage is sort of correlated. Right. Random assignment here, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be going down that much. 
Yeah, I don't have it. I don't have a great explanation. I'd like to hear more of your thoughts on that on the way to the airport. Um, <laughs> so, uh, which I didn't talk about in, in equation four is we, we estimate the upperclassmen effects in. Um, the one surprise is the sophomore's GPA doesn't come in statistically significant in the, in the junior classes. GPA, who are the leaders, mm -hmm. seem to matter in, in, the, uh, in, in these equations. So this is just a bar chart again showing all the effects that we estimated. And, the, and what's, what's uh, striking is that in terms of standard deviation, the peer group's GPA is, is by far the largest and most tightly <coughs> estimated effect. I'm not going to show you, but we also measure the peer effects in the athletic performance and find uh, very similar, very small roommate effects and, and larger uh, peer group effects and, and the junior class physical fitness uh, are, uh, also matters. <clears throat> the, other, uh, the last thing I, I'm going to spend, how am I, what time am I supposed to be done? About 10 minutes or so? Uh, I'll go through this quick. Uh, we construct false peer groups using dorm room assignments. So there's only two dorm halls at the Air Force Academy, so all 36 squadrons are in one of two dorm halls. And so we construct false peer groups by looking at the room, room assignment of the individuals. And uh, similar to, to Foster's study, we find insignificant uh, effects in these uh, falsely created peer groups based on just strictly the dormer room assignment. So you take a clump of, of rooms, and there's uh, just using the numbering system, squadrons, the dorm rooms and sections don't correspond to the squadron. So we have some individuals in our false peer group that is very closely related to their squadron. Others that a big chunk of their false peer group comes from another squadron. And so we find at various levels, looking at the other freshmen in the same dorm section or all students in the same dorm section, no evidence of peer influence just using this arbitrarily uh, chosen uh, room assignment. That we then then start. We then restrict the sample to say only include individuals where the false peer group is made up of at least 60%, and then 70% and 80% of individuals from their actual squadron. And so, as you'll see, the the sample gets size gets smaller, but not until we get 80% of the peer group correct. That is, the false peer group matches the squadron. 80% of the individuals does the peer group pop in, and it. 95%, although the, the, uh, the sample size gets relatively small, it, it almost is identical to, to what we find. And so we take this as evidence that measurement error in the actual peer group has a big effect on, on uh, finding, you know, on, the, on measuring the peer effect. So in conclusion, uh, real quick, uh, we do find much larger peer effects than have found in the previous literature, and we attribute at least this partially to proper identification of the peer group. So what does this say about education policy or uh, you know, economics in general? And, the, and the one question, can or should universities attempt to influence peer group formations? This is a very tightly controlled environment. Could, should Ohio State have an honors college and segregate the individuals in the honors college into their own dorm, or should you have them uh, interact? Well, it depends on what your objective function is, and I'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, also, uh, you know, work groups 
should IBM, could IBM sort their individuals into you know, different work centers to increase productivity? So we're, we're going to take a, a first stab at you know, how can you use peer effects to optimally sort individuals with the, with the objective function of increasing some outcome. And so the, the uh, leadership of the Air Force Academy has asked us to, to uh, look to see if we can uh, sort individuals into peer groups to help the most at-risk students. There's a roughly 20% washout rate for academics. Uh, the current superintendent thinks that's too high. Uh, and can you sort students to improve outcomes for these individuals? And so to do this, you know, everything we've estimated at this point is at the mean. And so it says if I take one, peer, one strong peer from one squadron, put that individual into another squadron, it's going to have an equal offsetting effect. One, the, the squadron I add them to is going to be helped. The squadron I took them from is going to be hurt, and there's no social gain. Well, to, to have any sort of social gain, you have to find nonlinearities in the effect, in the peer effects. And so that's what we've been working on. And we find that it's not the average that matters, the number of high types. And not only does the number of high types matter, that peer effect is different across the distribution of incoming academic ability. And so we're going to implement an experiment next fall where we take half the students and randomly assign them to their squadron peer groups and then optimally sort the other half with the objective function, function of raising the grades of the bottom end of the academic distribution. And then measure, measure performance differences between the control and the treatment group. And so our first pass at this, uh, we'll be using linear programming and using all the variables. But uh, you know, just doing a first pass, we find that, OK, if you look at low predicted individual GPA based on their own characteristics coming in, they're helped most by being with the high SAT verbal students. Students in the middle, the peer effect is much larger, and they get hurt by being with the low ability students. And so if you just pool and make two, di two different groups, the model predicts that the bottom third of, of students, the most at-risk students' GPAs rise up to 0.2 grade points, and the overall average of the entire uh, treatment group grades raise 0.05. Now, this isn't what we call Pareto optimal as an economist. That is, some people do get slightly hurt. I'm, I'm hoping, uh, once we use all the variables and optimally sort, that you know, we, can, we can have a Pareto improvement that no one is made worse off by helping out the bottom end. I mean, and that's, that's, a, that's a dream, but we'll, we'll see how that works. And that concludes my presentation. So that's, that's why um, it's important to, have, to identify the peer effects just off the high school characteristics. So if you do happen to have squ a squadron that is pro-military, and then everybody in that squ you just look at how does the individual's GPA vary with the GPA of the group, then that's jointly determined. And if they, their emphasis on military, then you would find this, this positive correlation. And that's due to this co what you call a common shock that everyone has this common treatment effect in, in squadron one, it's because they're all pro-military. So by only using, so how, how do you get around that? Use, use only the portion of GPA that's predicted with the high school characteristics, which is uncorrelated with that common shock, the tradition. Does that make sense?
hopefully. <laughs> So I I have not um, it's I have in the past you know once estimated for females and uh, males separately and I don't recall any statistically significant difference I don't even remember if females were higher or lower but I just you know ran the model females only and and uh, it, and for blacks only and it, it's qualitatively it was all very similar. <clears throat> Yeah, so, uh, you know, in the sense, all, every, so a classroom, all students are taking calculus or all are taking physics, but there, there are a bunch of different sections and individuals from squadrons are mixed into all the classrooms. So it's not a common treatment of they're all taking, all the squadrons aren't, squadron six isn't taking calculus from the same instructor. They're, they're intermixed in the classroom. All, all the all the grades. Are, so there's a like all the core classes have a course director. So for example, in calculus, there'll be 15 calculus instructors. They're all working off the same syllabus, and there's a course director that determines the grade lines for the entire distribution. Wow. I'll take the same test at the same time. <clears throat> So you're looking at GRE as the outcome measure? Mm -hmm. To grad school? Right. Yeah, I'm not aware of that study or haven't seen that. So we, our, our data only has freshman and sophomore grades. And so in the paper and to because of time constraints, I didn't show the sophomore results. But in the sophomore year, the, 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 the freshman characteristics, the, the magnitude of that effect is half of what it was in the freshman year. So instead of 0.64, it's 0.32, roughly. Right. Right. So, so this is why. I, this is why. I, th well, this is what. What? Well, so there, the wa to to be to wash out, you have to. You know, you're below a 2.0 GPA consistently. You know, so if you if you're right below 2.0 at the end of your freshman year, they're going to keep you around and see how you do in your sophomore year. So the. And then, you know, in grades rise as individuals get into their major and, and have to take less required courses. So I think the superintendent would say, if we can raise grades in the freshman and sophomore year, that'll lower the washout rate, inc uh, lower the taxes to, you know, the, to the, the American public. And, you know, and, you know, they've also, you know, the, one, one economist in the, 
being becoming a, a good officer is most not most correlated with your grades. It's more correlated with your military performance. And so I think the you know the superintendent was not a, probably a rocket scientist, uh, not a stellar you know did not have stellar grades and says, well I bar- you know I barely passed. Well, you know we need to keep some of these kids around. You know getting an A in astronautical engineering course. You know. Yeah, we, we want them to have that basic knowledge, but we need to reduce the washout rate in the first couple of years. I think that's probably... But I guess what I'm saying is, it sounds like what you're, what you're, you're basically saying, the argument for doing this stuff is you're going to improve their grades, right. and it's going <clears> to <throat> get them doing better for the rest of their lives. Right. And then when they're, you know, you know flying planes, they're right. going to do great stuff for America, right? But it sounds like Right. It's like it's kind of like giving a guy a pill that for the two hours that he's taking the exam, right, he gets half as many questions wrong, right, and then you know after the pill wears off, he still yeah. you know flies a plane. Like right. I mean, I, I mean, what would be more ideal is how do these freshman peer effects persist into graduation rates, or do they persist into you know overall grades, or into Retention, you know, five years down post graduation or promotion right. down the road. We don't know that at this point. But no, that, that's a very valid and, and important question. When I, you know, I spent two weeks out there this past summer laying out my research agenda, and I wanted to do precisely that get the historical data and try to measure do the peer influence while you're at the Air Force Academy matter and these long term officership. And they said, well, that's interesting, but Let's 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 do these other ones first. <laughs> so that's on my that's on my agenda. Yeah. Once again, it's the institutional level. You see, your generalizations I agree within the context of across institutions. I think you get some questions. One of the things that would be interesting is to try to find institutions, academic institutions, which are equally intense, but or, or relatively intense, but they're focused around, for example. Right. Some others that were very, very committed to a sense of social value. Right. To see whether you could, that's what I meant, to sort of flush one out. Right. And if you could demonstrate the peer effects um, in some of those other institutions really did have impact on overall academic performance or, right. you know, or smarts or whatever the, the dependent measure, then I think you'd really begin to get it. Right. Right. And there, there may be some parallel work No, I agree. I mean, and, and uh, agree with your statement because that's, the, you know, the one question is, okay, you've measured these peer effects. I believe them. What does this tell me about Ohio State? Or what even tell you about Dartmouth? Yeah. Or a institution. Right. What goes on in the dorms or what goes on in the mm-hmm. you know, my, Yeah, yeah, and so, you know, it, it's it's... It's very difficult because, at least from in my, my perspective, if anyone else has a different one, it's it's hard to to untangle whether it, do we have this peer effect because we know the peer group, we have the proper measure of the peer group, or is it the the culture of the institution that fosters teamwork that's driving the peer effect? Not sure. Right. 
There was there was a paper. I mean, it was I saw that it had issues, but um, it was looking at these NBA type mm -hmm. groups and how the makeup uh, of those mm -hmm. seemed to matter. So, so I think you know from 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 an economics literature standpoint, there is considerable debate whether I don't know if, if peer effects exist, but certainly whether peer effects have been measured accurately or the existence of um, peer uh, the the, uh, the empirical measurement of peer effects have they been found? You know, there is this debate. I think you know most people anecdotally believe that peer effects exist. I think in the economics literature, there's debate of whether or not measurable peer effects exist. And I, I, so I think our, our primary point in this paper is to try to say, okay, we have, you know, we do find positive peer effects, and then try to to look at, you know, why we we can't untangle the the proper measurement of the peer group or the environment, but as a first step. It appears that the, that the the proper measure in the peer group plays a large role based on the, the false peer groups, and provides some some strong evidence that peer effects do exist in academic outcomes. So I think that's that was the the primarily motivation is just to measure the peer effects. You know, my next my next uh, you know the next paper doing the optimal sorting in in the experiment is if you can't do it in this tightly controlled environment. Then sorting of students is probably a waste of time everywhere else, and that's where I'm going with that. In thinking outside the student university context, the broader center is here. It would be whether you could take people and you know, put them into some kind of social context where there would be peer effects, mm -hmm. and they would become more similar or at least work more productively together. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, so, I, so I, what I, I think what I would say is certainly, I mean, we do have this very tightly controlled environment. It doesn't mean that peer effects in those settings don't exist. But, but in the previous higher education studies, not knowing the peer group appears to have played a major role. Um, you, you, could, you could have like a sub-squadron culture if that squadron got bigger where those yeah. who are lower performers to begin with all congregate and create this, the, yeah. the low performance sub-squadron group. Well, you know, right? so, as soon as they're able to segregate so, and subdivide, they'll subdivide so, and stay with so, the same norm. Yeah. Bruce, Bruce might be interested, and maybe I'll get his ideas after, because 
this this past year they went from 36 squadrons to 40 squadrons so just mathematically all the squadrons got smaller and so there's less ability to sort within squadrons we could see if the, you know do the, do the peer effects get bigger or you know how, how does this you know the the, the sort of subsorting it's Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I. That's where I hope to take this line of my work. Um, you know, the, the immediate idea that I had was was uh, looking at you know fighter squadrons, you know, F-16 squadrons, where there's, there is a, a quasi-random assignment system of leaders and individuals into the different fighter squadrons, and they all have very objective measures, bombs on target, you know, the, the, um, the airlift squadrons, the, you know, the, the maintenance, you know, big, being on time in cargo, it has a lot to do with, you know, the, the quality of the maintenance within the, in, within the group. And so you could actually measure the composition of these very similar sites. I mean, the, the Air Force Academy has modeled off active duty, so there's squadrons, there's flights, and you could measure the peer influence and the leadership influence and see if you could actually improve warfighting capabilities by optimally sorting individuals into squadrons. And, and that, that, would be, that would be my hope eventually.